We're going to go to Romans um, chapter 11. Just a minute. Okay. Lord, we know you're here and your people and receive all of our, our worship that we've already begun. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and speak to us where each of us are right in this moment. We honor you, Lord Jesus. There aren't words. I'm sorry, Lord, when I get distracted by stuff. Just cars going by. Just anything. I'm sorry I get distracted. Because... I probably in that moment miss something that you had that you wanted to say, some expression, some feeling, something you wanted to show me. I did see that sunset last night. That was, I stopped. I saw that. Wow, Lord. So much. So much. We bless you this Lord's Day. In Jesus' name. Amen. We had the elders get together on Monday. And uh, in the conversations, we had different subjects. But one of the things that came up is a, a couple of them were talking about, in this day and this time, the foundation of Scripture is just really valuable. We know it's valuable, it's always valuable, but it's really necessary to, to help us have a something, a tether something. Have you ever watched them um, launch a hot air balloon? You know, one of the things that they do is they put some big stakes in the ground to start with. And they lay the balloon out on the ground. Usually it's a, air, a show, and they're doing this all over this big area, you know, in the morning before the sun comes. Just, just really, just barely at sunrise. It takes a few minutes. And then they start putting their, uh, uh, start running air up inside of it, you know, and not to catch it on fire, and, <laughs> but to send warm air up in there. And they know how to do it exactly. And pretty soon it's starting to fill up. You know, and then and then the the balloon is starting to stand up, and they keep firing little bursts of flames into it. You know, in the hair there, and then pretty soon, it's it would leave if it wasn't tethered, if it wasn't tied down. And they've got their sandbags on the sides, and the people that's going to be in it climb aboard. You know, and the the ones that are got it tied down, you know, they let the ropes loose. And it starts lifting, and they're firing that. And hear the, you know, the fuel and the fire up the flames. And then the sky is full of hot air balloons because they're all launching at the same time out there. We need to be tethered. 
so we can go high. People go high all the time and get in trouble because they didn't follow certain aerodynamic things and, and, and learned how to fly a hot air balloon. And we have the same thing with all kinds of aircraft and flying. And enough about that. Okay. New American Standard. Um, I had a dream this last week about that I was talking to, to a friend that's a counselor, and we were both standing next to, to a table, and I had my Bible open, and he was looking kind of not over my shoulder but next to me, and I had come across something that was thematic that I had seen for the first time throughout the book of Exodus. Exodus has got 40 chapters, and I was really excited about this, and then I woke up. Don't know what it was. Don't know what I was looking at. Tried to sit there and no, no all I did was wake me up and I didn't go back to bed. <laughs> anyway, so I did go and start being a detective and just kind of hanging around Exodus. And uh, so, and this morning I decided I would go up. I'm just telling you from my experience. We have a place that we call the crow's nest here, which is on the very top of the building. I built one little room up there with some stairs, and some people refuse to walk all the way up there because it's kind of precarious, precarious and yes, I, I wish we had an easier way to do it, but you can go out all the way up to the roof, and this room is glassed all the way around it, and you can push it all back, and there's like one chair at the top of it before you step out onto the roof. And sometimes I go up there and talk to God and listen and play Christian music or one song over and over. So, Book of Romans worked, started in Exodus and kept hearing things today. Chapter 11, verses, let's see. Ah, let's just start at the beginning of the chapter. Now, I'll tell you, we won't go forever and ever. Is that 11, 12? I want to go, am I in the same time zone? Yes. Okay. So he's writing and saying, I say then, God's not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. And then he's going to give his, you know, who he is, Paul is. He says, I'm an Israelite. I'm a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God's not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scriptures say in the passage about Elijah, how he pleaded with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. He's quoting him now. They've killed your prophets. They've they've torn down your altars, and I alone have left. And they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? What did God say back? Verse four: I have kept for myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And in the same way, then there's also come to be at the present time a remnant 
according to God's gracious choice. And he's talking about the Jewish people, and he's talking to the Romans, so he's talking to Gentile Christians, okay, non, non-Jewish Christians. Verse 6, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. What then, verse 7, what Israel is seeking, it's not obtained, but those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Verse 8, just as is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not and ears to hear not, down to this very day. It hurts his heart about his own Jewish people because they are not accepting that Jesus is the chosen one, is the Messiah that all the Jews have listened to the prophets down through through the years. And verse 9, and David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution to them and let their eyes be darkened to see not and bend their backs forever. I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them, the Jews, jealous. Salvation has come to you and me. Is anybody in here Jewish? We could have somebody that's a, a Jewish person that's become a believer, a, you know, a believing Jewish person. They're, they exist. They're around. You'll meet them. Okay. Now, if 12, now, if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? Oh, he says, you know, it's great that you as Gentiles have God now because they have been rebellious, but it's, God's not through with them yet. There's still stuff could happen. It's going to happen, according to the prophets. But I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles, verse 13, and as much as then as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them, for if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? So if the Jews rejecting Cause the make it it opens up for the Gentiles to become believers. If that happened because they rejected, then if they come home to God completely, what is that going to be like? It'd be but life from the dead. Verse 16. If the first place, if the first piece of dough is holy like you put leaven in it, you know, then the lump also. So the rest of the lump, he's using an illustration from cooking, right? And if the root is holy, the branches are too. So if you, if, if you have the root of a tree and it's good, then whatever it is, if it's an apple tree, eventually it's going to have apples because the branches will make apples. It won't give oranges if it was an apple. And that sounds silly, but okay. So, so Israel is like this. Verse 17, But if some of the branches were broken off, 
And you, being a wild olive tree, change the analogies again, were grafted in among them and became partakers with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. Talking to you and me, as Gentile believers, sometimes because we know Jesus is Messiah, and, and, the, and the Jewish family of the olive tree don't accept this, we get the big head about it. We make fun of them. But we were the wild ones. We were the ones that were grafted onto the tree, and, you know, like you can graft a, a limb on. Okay? But if, but, 7 18, I'm still in there. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supported the root, but the root supported you. And you will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. So Liz, you went and visited a country full of the roots. Full of the roots. Everywhere you went. And all those people that you were going by, not all were Jewish, but there were a lot of Jewish people there. And God says, I'm going to stir them before this is over. Verse 19, and you will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, Israel, he, he will not spare you, Gentiles, either. Just because, just because he's put us in doesn't mean that we can be boastful about it, that we too need to be Humble. Uh, one more, let's see, maybe. Can't find, I wrote notes along the edges, and so now, well, I have 24. Behold then the kindness and severity of God to those who fail severity, but to you, God's good kindness. If you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. So there's that, if you continue. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Why did I go there? I don't know, really. Because I was way back over somewhere else. I was in Exodus. 
I was flipping from the back end of Exodus slowly forward toward the front, stopping at places along the way. Go with me to Exodus chapter 20. 20. As I read this, this is not like the preacher that's condemning some of his people for doing something. I'm reading this to me. I'm reading it to you. We're all in this together, right? God of the universe decided upon life here. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He started making things for six days, and he, every time he would go, this is good. And on the seventh day, he rested from it and kind of examined it and made the seventh day a day of rest and a day holy because he just chose it. He's God. He can make it any way he wants to make it. But because of that, he's got some things that he's left permanently in place for you and me, for all of us to, to do, which is we don't work continuously. We don't work all the time. There are people, groups in the world that do. Just work all the time. They want to get ahead. Just work all the time. Just work themselves in the ground working all the time. And God says, no. You can work six days, and I want you to take one off to honor me. And in honoring me, what you're saying is, God is my provision. I might really need the money for seven days, but I'm going to stop and honor you and trust you saying, mm -mm, I'm going to stop and be thankful. No matter if I have enough or not. Especially on the knots. Because that's when it's hard to do that, isn't it? This is a workaholic person talking to you. And I know what this is like. I've always got a thousand things. Looking, just walk through any, just in this building, I'm not going to look except at y'all's faces because I see work everywhere in here. That I like to work. I am one of the original seven dwarfs. Ho ho ho. It's off to work we go. You know, I, I like, you know. It's Snow White's keeping me from getting my work done. You know, she said I shouldn't have come here. <laughs> Chapter 20. God spoke all these things, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. And you shall have no other gods before me. We, we, we don't always call them gods, but we've got stuff. And we've got thought forms. We've got philosophies. We've got other religions. We've got stuff that we have put in front of him. But the creator says, no, this is not how I like it. This is not how I like my people. Of course, he's, he's talking to Israel. He's making a people. 
out of a people that, you know, their lineage handed down, but, but he's out making a people out in the desert with Moses and all of them that left Egypt, right? And there's Egyptians with them. I read some Jewish material when I was in this, and they've got all these rabbis are just so, they sit around and think of all this stuff, things I wouldn't have even thought of. He said, you know who really caused all the trouble out there? It was the Egyptians that went with them out into the desert. Huh? Yeah, yeah. They, they got stirred up. The, the Jewish guys were saying, I think that's who probably went to Aaron about all this and was giving him a hard time. I, I don't know. You know, I wasn't there. But they had some good, a good, good uh, ideas going on, these rabbis. I'm off again. Um, you shall have no other gods before you, verse 3. You shall, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Now, if this was a, a, a good Jewish book, this word Lord is, that you wouldn't even have the word Lord written in all caps. You'd have a G hyphen, you know, it's un, you don't pronounce it so holy. It's like, you know, we put vowels in and say Yahweh, but it doesn't have vowels in it. <laughs> you know, it's not. <laughs> you know. Go ahead. What, Benjamin? <laughs> do you do you do you know do you know what they say in in place of that? They have a name, a word. And no, that's what we say, but that's not what Jewish people say. They say another word. Adonai. They say Adonai, knowing that they mean the unpronounceable word that what we as cocky Westerners just had to put two vowels into it, okay? They're not in there. Now, in this Bible, they always capitalize that as capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, standing for that. But in my, but in my Tanakh, they never put that there, you know. Would that we could grasp that. Not the letters, Benjamin, not, not, not the vowels. Would that we could grasp that there would be a name, something that would stand for God, the Creator, who is so holy that we dare not say it. An unnamed name of the Creator. Would that we be that way. Would that the Christians all be that way. It would sound silly to non-believers, but on the other hand, it wouldn't sound silly. 
they'd go, wow, they're serious about honoring the creator of all things. I guess that's the only thing I'm trying to get today is I'm using a lot of words to try to, as I read these, I got more and more in touch with, I can say all the time God is holy. It is different when it comes on you and you are in touch for a few minutes. God is holy. There isn't a word. You kind of want to climb under the furniture. You tend to stop talking. You tend to having tremendous humility starts coming over you. And tremendous thanksgiving comes over you. And if you've got things that are in disagreement with God because you're like, you know, in rebellion, those little things also start coming up. You start becoming aware of all your rebellion, of all the words that you've wasted, of all the, of all the useless words that you filled your mouth full of because you were mad or whatever, because it doesn't matter because God is Utterly, God is, is. And then, and then when you go read the little part, I mean, not that I was reading there, but, but then when, you, when Moses is saying, well, well, who did I tell him sent me? When he goes, you know, God's told him to go back. Well, you tell him, I am that I am sent you. There's words again. We don't have, there are no words. There'll be no words before the throne of heaven when God the Father is there in unapproachable light and we are upon a plane of humanity before him. There'll be no words, but there'll be worship. They'll so be worship. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem that last beginning of that last week. Who's it? Pharisees? Somebody saying, "Tell them to stop it," because they're all saying, "Glory to God in the highest," and you know they're doing their little statement, following Jesus. And he says, I tell you that if you stop them from saying this, the rocks will cry out. It is built in every piece of matter in this universe. All of the matter of the universe knows day, knows God. And is, in, and is at his beck and call. To the point that when he says, of course you can't say it, but when he says, let there be light, the atomic physical universe responded.
shall not worship them, verse 5, or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commands. commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. He's not a cuss word. He is not. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall worship and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God, and in it you shall do no do. Do not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Now the Christians, because Jesus was raised on the first day of the week, the eighth day, the Christians move their worshiping over to Sunday, the Romans' day of the sun, the first day of the week. In effect, it would be the Monday of a Jewish calendar. It would be, you know, it'd be, you know, six days, Sabbath, and then first day. So the Christians moved over one day to honor Jesus. And that's why we're meeting here today, on this day, and not yesterday. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You're thankful that you have life because of it. Do not murder. You shall not commit adultery. What is he saying? He made it as something to be holy and to be honored and not as something that you just go play with because it's fun with any person. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shouldn't lie about your neighbor. I want to go talk to some of our local politicians if they'd hear me. I'd say, you know what? I know this is in the political realm and y'all end up telling stuff on people, but if you know God at all or claim him, I would not do that. No matter what your business manager tells you to do, I wouldn't do it. Just don't do it. Don't do it. That's fault. Just don't do that. The God that you say that you honor will honor him by doing living life the way that he has said, this is how I would want you as my children, as my creation to live. Okay? It, this, this, this is not a like, I'm going to get you if you don't do these ten things. No, this is because he wants you to have a full life. This is the way you have a full life, is live this way. Don't live against it and think you can get away with it totally forever. Well, you can for a little while. It won't last He's not a crazy God. He didn't just come up with some ideas. He's a loving Father over creation, over humanity, 
He wanted children. We are the children. God so loved the children that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him. I'm just, I'm in there with you. You know what I mean? I'm not preaching at you. <clears throat> 17, you shall not desire, burn for, covet your neighbor's house. You shall not burn for your neighbor's wife or his male servants or his female servants or his ox or his donkey or that black Mercedes travel van that sits in the driveway next to me. Gosh, that thing is gorgeous. I asked one of my friends, I said, how much does that thing sell for? He says, more than your house. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to be careful when it's out near the driveway because I'm not going to back into that thing. And it's black, and they must wash it every day. I never see any dirt on it. I just never. Wow. Mm. You know, I have seen a gray one in town, but this black one is just, no. Uh, yeah, Jim, don't covet that. Okay, I, I don't, yeah, it's just, no, a lot of work. It's pretty. Okay, uh, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Uh. All, the, all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sounds of the trumpet and the mountain smoking and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. And then they said to Moses, verse 19, Speak to us yourself. We'll listen, but do not let God speak to us or we'll die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. For God has come in order to test you, in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. Exodus 32. That was a big day when Moses spoke what God had said and we got the Ten Commandments. Big day for the Israelis, the Israelites. Big day. Now they're a mixed crowd. They're, they're, there are some, some Egyptians that have that started following their God and has, and has come from Egypt. And there are, just because they're Jewish and they've crossed the Red Sea, dried up, and the whole Egyptian army is drowned and they're out there and Moses is like struck a rock for water and God's given them water and they've complained and God sent them quail and, until they can't stand the quail, you know, and he's... He's doing all these things out there in the desert. You would think that they would. You would think that we would go the way that God says go. But we seem to not because we, as much as we want to, we are children of Adam and Eve. We are, we're rebels. We walk with him minute by minute. When, you know, we have great potential to walk with him all the time, but we just don't. Verse 
So now God's asked Moses to come up to the top of the mountain. So Moses and his young helper, Joshua, have gone up to the mountain. And the mountain's shrouded in clouds and lightning. And for 40 days and 40 nights, they are up there. God's not said anything. And then God starts talking, you know, and he gives these Ten Commandments, you know, written with the finger of God on these two tablets, gives them to Moses, and tells them to go back. Now, meanwhile, down at the bottom, they're keeping account of days and time, and undoubtedly they've missed the numbers of days because they're a day off or something or another, I don't know chapter 32 and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain the people assembled around Aaron his older brother and said to him come make us a God who will go before us as for this Moses the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt we don't know what's become of him and Aaron said to them Tear off the gold rings, which are in your ears, in your wives, and your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. They, they've all, you know, they, they asked all their neighbors in Egypt before they left for stuff. And they gave them a bunch of jewelry. They've got a lot of gold. They got a bunch of gold from the Egyptians. And there's other Egyptians going along with them. And my mind just so wants to jump over to another passage uh, uh, I won't go all the way over there because we're going to run out of time. Uh, Acts 7, chapter 7, 37 through, ooh, I don't know, 43. Stephen is giving this big overview before they stone Stephen. And I don't know if I'm reading in in Exodus, I don't know where I saw it, but do you know that them out in the desert, that they were still worshiping Molech? They had crossed the Red Sea, they were worshiping Molech. Now, Molech worship only takes place when you sacrifice a small baby in the fire. And it named two other of the Egyptian gods. Now, this isn't later on when Israel is in the land and, 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 and Solomon has married a bunch of girls and they've all brought all their, you know, stuff from their different countries with them and eventually they've got Molech worship going. They've been worshiping Molech. Some of them have. Never quit worshiping. Why God just, you know, there's the difference, Jim's not God, because I would have called, I would have had selective fireboats take out some people. I would have cleaned house out in the desert going, ooh, I think that was a Molech guy over there because, like, you know, did you see that boat hit him? Ooh, big hole in the ground. Jim, the God, you know, I, I don't know. They were among them. So this stuff just, you and I are not there. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen all of a sudden. That they get, re there's rebellion in the camp always mixed within with others who are obedient. Isn't it always that way? The church is that way right now, isn't it? The church is wherever we go. There's the obedient, the ones that want to please Him, the ones that worship 
And others is going, oh, has God said? Well, you know, that pastor's not really any good at what he's doing. Or, yeah, who would have picked out this carpet color? You know, that's why we don't have enough people or enough money, because we have this stupid color of carpet. I only say this because I was raised in places like that. We had extra large Wednesday night meetings because we were voting on junk. Junk. I'm so embarrassed. So he took them from their hands, verse 4, and fashioned it with a carving engraving tool and made it into a golden calf. And they, and they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And Aaron saw this. He built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation, saying, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. <laughs> so the next day they rose early, offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And you know what kind of playing people could get into. And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once. For your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed it and said, This is your God, O Israel, who bought you up from the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are obstinate people. Now then... Let me alone that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them, and that I make, I'll make of you a great nation. And Moses entreated the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak, saying with evil intent, he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. Remember Abraham and Isaac and Israel and your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I'll multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and all the land which I have spoken. I'll give your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm that he said he would do to his people. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets which were written on both sides, and they were written on one side and then the other, and the tablets were God's work, and the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. Now when Joshua heard the sound of the people as they were shouting, shouting he says to Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. And he said, it's not the sound of the cry of triumph. It's not the sound of the cry of defeat. It's a sound of singing right here. Partying. What Moses is saying. Moses may be old, but he's a smart old dude at 80. You know. It came about as it wasn't 80 yet, but came about as Moses came near the camp that saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger burned, and he threw the tablets from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf which they had made and burned it with fire, ground it to powder, scattered it over the surface of the water, and made the sons of Israel drink it. 
then Moses says to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such sin upon them? And Aaron said, mm, don't let the anger of my Lord burn. He's talking to his younger brother now, but now his younger brother is, you know, works for God. Uh, you know the people yourself. They're, they're prone to evil. They said to me, make, make a God for us who will, bring, who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. I said to them, well, whoever's got to go, let them tear it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. <sighs> Moses saw that the people were out of control for Aaron had let them get out of control and to let them become, new, NIV's better here, a laughing stock. That word means ridicule. Among their enemies. And then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever's for the Lord, come to me. So all the sons of Levi gathered together to him, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let every man put his sword upon his thigh, go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp, kill every man his brother, or, or every man his friend, or even his man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Our God is holy. He's loving. He's forgiving. He's holy. We are his children. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are his little brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit has put it upon as his mission to make us into a bride worthy of Jesus, the bridegroom. He will not stop until we are without spot or wrinkle, as it says. Let it happen. Jesus deserves glory. Let it happen. When we're disciplined, let's just encourage each other. Let's just comfort each other. He's just pruning us up. I hate pruning. I hate doing it to plants. It's trouble. It's painful. I usually bleed somewhere. You know? But they look better later. We love you, Lord. Change us. You change us. You bring repentance to us. All the different areas, each of us. We want to obey you out of love. We're not a. We don't like Moses says. Don't be afraid. Not fear. We don't want to bring embarrassment to your name. We want others, when they have a need, to come to your people because we know you. When they have sickness, when they have something, something that they need comfort in, somewhere they need wisdom, they want the ones that want to know you to the point that they go, I want what you've got. T tell me about Jesus. Tell me about God. 
tell me about this whole story. What is this book? And all these 60s, some of this stuff is like, I don't understand it. Thank you, Brother David. Minister to us as the body of Christ, one to another, before we leave. If there's ministry... Thank you for starting on your own to raise up intercessors and intercessors to meet with each other. Thank you. Thank you for the songs today, the lyrics in the songs. May it, as long as it be today, may we treat it holy unto you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.